in the early 21st century, magic reawakened on Earth, and alongside it, a new human race of orcs, elves, trolls, dwarves, and others. Humanity became meta-humanity. Technology proliferated and greatly advanced in the awakened world as global megacorporations seized ever more power, becoming de facto states with their own laws, courts, and armed forces. The corporations attempt to control all aspects of modern life. This has led to a vast and complex criminal underground which works for and against corporate interests. The independent career criminals who do what others can't or won't are called shadow runners. The year is 2102. Welcome to Fun City. Previously on Fun City, powered by Amos, the Chaz's legal supercomputer Artemis learns the junk data in the gun which began the riot at the Chaz and the data from the money pit accounts that fund the NYPD police gang The Last Line have the same source, an RNG driven by an isotope of aura calcum. Where would one obtain such a thing? Artemis doesn't know, but the team does. Jast Reclamation. They go to Yuri's house to see if he knows more about Jast, only to find him City too hot, he explains. He sends the team to Loma Sarnaev, a magical bookbinder on a houseboat who has worked with Jast. Loma will tell them what they want to know if they bring him an artifact they've encountered, a skull with a tree growing out of it, which the team last left with Vern. At the PBA, they learn the NYPD Incorporated will be divested of its power and Knight Errant will take its place. Vern will become the commissioner of police. No need to worry about Evo anymore, he says. All his boys will get jobs at night errant and won't be forced into their medical system. And the skull heading north to cold storage. If they hurry, they'll catch it before it goes into high security lockup. Vern gives them the tracking info for the truck and says if he ever sees them again, they'll be arrested. We join the team now in Henley the Bentley speeding north, trying to reach the truck to get the skull to bring to Loma to learn about what's going on at Jast. This episode of Fun City contains descriptions of firearm usage and gore, including dismemberment. Okay, so we're in the car, and Viv is reaching forward in the sensing, like, I can feel it getting closer. PK says, Henley, pull up the coordinates, put them on the dash, and uh, step on it. And then TK turns back to Lux. You all right, buddy? No. I'm not all right. Uh, he's uh, one of them now. Seems like he always was. When I overheard him in that office talking to the head over at Evo or that AI or whatever, he seemed genuinely concerned about what was happening with those experimental subjects, uh, especially in connection, obviously, with his officers. But I think as soon as he got assurances that his cops were safe, he stopped caring and we're fucked. Well, you know, that's just how it goes sometimes. Uh, TK reaches down into uh, his boot and uh, pulls out the, uh, the holdout pistol and hands it to Lux handle first. Probably going to need that, bud. I don't really know how to use these things. But Lux puts it and his waistband. But thanks. It's pretty easy. I mean, I have to say, you know, I, if you want, we have some time. I can show you. 
What's what's the traffic like? I was just gonna say it's getting late, like later. You guys uh, have had a very long day. I will remind you that you went to Loma's house and back, which is in international waters. Yeah, Henley goes pretty fast, but like that's still an hour, hour and a half both ways. So that's a day. Yeah, so, like, that's a day, like, it's starting to get dark. Uh, and, like, there's some traffic, but it's uh, it's it's pretty light. Uh, you've, like, you know, I think you're past rush hour at this point. We're out of the bad city traffic. Yeah. <laughs> Lash is in the backseat, kind of quieter than she's, you've ever really seen her. And she sends a calm message to Lux. It says, hey, check this out. And it's just some links to some, like, low-security blogs that Lash has hacked and changed Vern's name to, like, Vern sucks ass. <laughs> she doesn't say anything, though. She just sends it to him. This is great, Lash. And then uh, Lux just turns away. And then he kind of snaps. He says, he's a fucking cop. You know, he's a fucking cop. I, I, I'm fucking pissed at him, but... I think I'm more pissed at myself. I mean, this guy, these people think that because they are allowed to restrain people or restore order, that they're allowed to, you know, be violence, use force, completely devalue any other life that's not connected to them. It's been like that for hundreds of years. I don't know what I was, what I'm surprised about. I don't know why I thought he would actually care about this. I, I don't know to what degree he knows that they're actually apprehending innocent people, but he's the police commissioner. It doesn't matter if he knows or not. I mean, it, it does matter if he knows or not. He, he's the one who should know. It is his responsibility. Even if he didn't give the order, it is his responsibility. We can't tell people what to care about. I mean, look, we started working with him because we had to. We needed him to do stuff just as much as he needed us. Going beyond that was the problem. He's still a client and just because our interests were aligned for a minute doesn't mean yeah well you get it we need to get to the people that they haven't talked to yet Lux is now thinking about a couple of names they have on a list that they haven't talked to and here's why I think that after Vern was hired if he thought that the people they talked to could actually give us any information and by the way I've talked to one I know that they can't they'd be dead right now there's a chance that the people that he hasn't talked to yet actually can give us something that can prove what's happening with Evo and their experimentation. I think that's a fine idea. Yeah, but for now, we got to get this spooky-ass skull. Gas has records of who has used the aura or a calcum. There's no doubt about it. If this guy is our way into those records, we could find the people who've had, had access to that. We cross-reference with that with people who have interest in, in law, law enforcement. We find out who is actually connected here, and then we beat the shit out of that person, and we find out what they know, and we find out who's, who's behind this. And more than find out, because there's no way that Evo isn't behind it, they're the only ones who stand to gain here, is actual evidence that could actually do something to fuck them. And they shot Viv. Who's to say they won't shot all of us? Vern said he would shot all of us, Flash. Um, <coughs> it's shoot? It's what? shoot. Shoot. I, I, Who's shooting? Yeah. Um, it's true. I had been shot, yes. Well, uh, you know what, Lux? I, I, yeah, you have a gun now. You should use it. 
Thanks, DK. I think you're the actually. You know, I feel like you're probably the only person who hasn't really like done some some violence. Like even last shot somebody. That was that was pretty recent. Remember that guy? And then oh, don't say his name. Viv, don't I say his name. And then Viv did a war crime after the fact. I wouldn't say it was a war crime. You know, I know the Geneva Convention is old. It's you know what. As old as, I accomplished as as what we were trying Ronald to Reagan. do. Like, I get it. But it's still, I think it's still in effect. <laughs> you can't just torture people. <sighs> Look, I don't tell you how to hack things. No. You're right. I shouldn't tell you how to do your job. Cut to the interior of the cab of a large box van carrying various and sundry items from the PBA, from the headquarters in downtown Manhattan, heading north on the Taconic in New York State. Two men are sitting in the cab of this truck. One of them has long blonde hair shoved underneath a blue baseball cap. Taylor, what does your guy look like? Same. Okay, great. <laughs> long blonde Carbon hair. copies. Into it. Good job, Taylor. Listen, I understand they were famous, yes, and meant a lot to a lot of people, but what... But I don't, none of it was good. None of it was good. It was all just big, terrible, dick-swinging nonsense. It's just, like, big for the sake of big. Uh, like, you yeah, know. What, I, I, what are you, you talking about big for the sake of big? You don't think it, any of it was good? Listen, I, I, I'll be the first to concede. I concede. It's not good now. Has it stood the test of time? No. 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 The, but you, can't, you can't say Richard Serra's a bad artist just because it doesn't resonate with you now. you got to understand. I, I these absolutely guys were can. Before. I absolutely no. can. No, it's te- no Richard Serra, Clement Greenberg, uh, Mark DeSuvero. It's just it's like oh we're men and we it's big heavy materials and ah uh, we you know hired a foundry to do it yeah, and we put it you, out. In the big, it feels like, like that to you because we have soft light projections and we have 3D treads and we have the matrix and we can go in hot VR if you can afford it. So it's like different to us but back then people didn't have that sort of stuff. So yeah, look, I'll be the first to concede. It's like, it's not good now. We don't feel it's good now but it's not because it was bad. It's just because technology obviated what they were trying to achieve. Well, you're telling me every architect, you try to tell me the fucking cathedrals of Europe and IMP also suck because now we can have a space twice as ornate and interesting because whoa, whoa, the whoa, economies whoa, whoa. of scale no, with digital no, no. reproduction are no, different? No, you can't. You you are putting words in my mouth. You cannot draw the conclusion that I think the pyramids are garbage because I think Richard Serra is garbage. That doesn't make any sense. Have you ever actually no. stood in a Richard Have you ever stood in one of the... Have you ever stood in Sarah? Have you have you stood? Say right now. Say, just tell me. If you, have, have I stood in Sarah? I have not. Exactly. I bet I will put I am doing it right now. I'm look. I got my comm out. Look, 100 new yen. Beep, bop, boop. <laughs> 100 new yen. I get you standing there, Richard Sarah. You're gonna say this is impressive. I like it. Back in Henley the Bentley, you are rocketing north on the highways, just north of Manhattan. You are speeding by people, like whizzing along the road. You have uh, Henley set in pass mode, uh, and he is just weaving in and out of all of the traffic. And you see the blue dot that you know represents the box truck that contains the skull that you need to get start to slow down, and then it takes an exit, and it starts to go west. And it goes west and west off of the track that Vern gave you, off of the set of directions, the navigation that you have on your heads-up display, and it starts to slow down. What are they doing? Where are they going? This is not the the center where it's supposed to Fuck go. Fuck yeah! 
this is this is fucking great. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Look at these fuck. I I I mean, you see the route. They're not on the route. Let's just let's go. Of course, but oh, you see, they're stopping at the Storm King Art and NFT Center. My mom loves this place. <laughs> I know it like the back of my hand. We go every Easter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it sounds like you're fucking. You're leading. You're taking point. Oh, they must be huge fans of huge art. This rules. <laughs> All right, guys, Oof. if they're here to see anything, wait for them to leave uh, the truck, and then we, uh, TK, you could uh, you could pop the back for yep. us, and we'll grab it. All right, it. sounds like a plan. Let's fucking do this. Just quick, then flashback to Lash's mom last Easter, just looking at a bunch of animated apes in a grid. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> uh, TK uh, presses a button where the key fob would be and says, Hanley, fucking juice it. large box truck pulls in to the parking lot uh, up to the admission gate of the Storm King Art and NFT Center. And a man leans out the side and the attendant says, we're going to be closing in a few minutes and the grounds are pretty big. Are you sure you want to pay full price? And he says, yeah, yeah, my friend just wants me to stand in front of one of these big stupid things for a few minutes. We'll, uh, we won't be long. And then the attendant says, oh, okay. And lifts the gate and they go through. And the guy looks at his friend and he says, uh, what about the thing that we're like not supposed to leave unattended? Uh, they made a big well, deal. Well, we ain't going to leave it unattended. You want to bring it with us? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, I guess it's not that big. No, it's not that big. It's like, what? It's not even like, it's not even S tier. What, what, what is this? And he flips like, some, he flips yeah, some yeah, like, <laughs> papers. And as the papers are flipped, you see images change on them. So they're future papers. <laughs> and he, he flips them. <clears throat> he's like, oh, this is like a T tier level three temporary cold storage. Oh, it's fine. We'll put it on the uh, little flat and uh, take it with us. All right. Take some art to see some art, I guess. Is that what's in there? That's what the tall guy said. He said that it was like a sculpture or something. I don't care. Uh, the box truck comes uh, to a slow halt uh, in the grass parking lot of uh, Storm King Art Center. The two men get out. They go to the back of the truck and they open up its wide doors. It's uh, dark. It's uh, it's night. You can just barely see them rooting around in there. They have headlamps on and you hear some boxes moving around, some shuffling. And one of them comes out with what effectively looks like a riveted lead box uh, in his arms. You can see that he's struggling with it. It's very heavy. And uh, the other guy is down on the ground with basically like a small pallet jack uh, that he uh, lifts up or cranks up and it jacks up and up and up and up and up until it's level with the edge of the truck. It almost falls over. It almost tips over. But then he turns the thing on. It's only got two wheels, one on each side, and it segues itself upright and they begin to push it. See, man, it's going to be fine. Listen, you got to do more stuff like this. You're always putting stuff into categories and, like, saying this is good, that's bad. you got to experience it firsthand. you got to suck the marrow out of life, man. you you, you got to make changes. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I guess, like, I don't know. Shit, you getting younger? You get, I ain't getting younger. You getting younger? No, but, but you know, it sounds Terry, like you're God trying damn to... Terry, goddammit, fucking <sighs> grow a spine. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> you know I don't like changing my mind. <laughs> 
uh, they start walking off into the grounds. It ain't changing your mind, it's keeping your mind open. Uh, several minutes pass, and you are rocketing down the highways of southern New York, uh, north, the northern part of the city. And yeah, you get to the entry of Storm King Art Center, uh, and the attendant leans their head out and they say, Hey, uh, we're closing pretty soon. Are you, um, what? Is there like a sign out on the road? What? Oh, yeah, 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 there is. It says Storm King open now. Storm King oh, Art and NFT Center. Uh, this is the one, right? Yeah, we sh- someone should have brought that in yeah, hours we're here ago. To see, we're we're here closing to buy, in oh, like 15 minutes. I, me and my friends, we, we're real huge fans of this one. It's old artist. He's an uh, American. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I just Flash don't. climbs over TK and whips out a card that's like a lifetime patron card, a physical card. <laughs> That she has in her physical wallet. Yeah, this should this should cover all of us. Oh, what lash? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, uh, good to see you. How's your mom? Ugh, how is she ever? <laughs> <laughs> So real. <laughs> uh, the attendant nods gravely as if they understand exactly what that means. Yeah. Uh, and then the gate opens. Thanks, Terry. Viv, uh, can you can you uh, figure out where that thing is? Yeah, uh, Viv puts a hand out into the air and is assessing the location of the object. It's really dull. Like you remember seeing this thing as being a very powerful magical presence. It's a, a very a very strongly imbued artifact. You get just a, like a bare sort of blue glimmer, uh, a very like distant kind of sparkle. Uh, but yeah, I think you, if you pay really close attention, you you know roughly which direction to head, and it's uh, you know off to the right towards the park uh, where all of the big sculptures are. Viv is tilting her head left and right, and she looks at the box truck, but then she looks in the direction that uh, her sensing sense is telling her. It's definitely not, yeah, whatever sense you're getting, it's not in that truck. And if you look in the, the map, the blue dot is lined up with the truck perfectly, but you do not sense that object in there. Wait a minute. They took it out of the truck. TK doesn't say anything, but how lit up is this area? I would say that it is dusk, if not slightly after dusk. TK pulls Henley up next to the truck. He gets out, and while Viv is ascensing, he walks around to the other side of the truck, away from the visitor's booth and the gate, and slashes two tires. Like a divining rod, Viv has her hands out in front of her, and she's like, I remember it being much stronger than this. I'm having a hard time locating it, but... We should at least go in this direction. And she starts walking very briskly. Viv is walking past this piece of art that looks like a, um, the outline of a cube uh, made out of chrome. And Lash, you accidentally like sort of hit it with your shoulder because it's just so skinny. It's like hard to see when you're walking towards it. And you can see in the distance these three or four massive sculptures uh, that are effectively made out of like I-beams and rebar and massive planks of wood. These huge beams just stretching across the sky. You can see the sunset behind them and it's uh, they're making these uh, massive, these gargantuan Uh, silhouettes and Viv as you walk and you crest a small hill suddenly the sense of this thing is is a little bit stronger like five to ten percent stronger and you see it and you see it 
right in front of or between, it's kind of hard to tell with the depth, uh, two other uh, astral signatures of uh, just uh, two dudes. These are just two guys in like their 40s. Why would they bring it with them? Ugh. I'm not saying that I don't understand why people would like it. What I'm saying is that this kind of thing is effectively a monument to toxic masculinity. This what? is just this is just <laughs> someone committing violence on your field of view with the biggest, heaviest things they could find. It's not an act of violence. It's an invitation to think about the space around you. That's an open door. That's everything but. You know, no, no, I mean, like, look, we, we, look, you're, you go inside them. It's not phallic. It's vaginal. God damn it. You hear them just barely shouting at one another, <laughs> gesturing at these artworks uh, from a distance. And Viv motions and says quietly to everyone else, they're in there. They are approaching this work of art that is, it sort of looks like a Hershey's kiss with the top sliced completely off. And it looks like there's a, a little slit, like a doorway cut in it uh, vertically. And uh, they have the little cart that has the riveted lead box on it and they enter it and they kind of disappear. And when they go in, the astral signatures just uh, like blink away. They become very, very dull. Oh, this is so strange, but I know it's here. So it looks like they've entered this installation. They have the spooky skull with them? It seems like, yes. Lash, do you, is there an exit to that art piece? Uh, yeah, there is. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually multiple exits. If you get sick on cheese fries when you're inside it, they will take you out another door. Okay, let's block all the exits. And move in. I think I can distract these two for long enough if you could sneak the piece away. Uh, okay. Yeah. Here's what I'll do. I'll, I'll I'll grab the thing. Okay. You guys make sure that they can't leave. Is there an open top to this thing? There is an open top to this thing. Uh, we are describing, for anybody who knows, a torqued ellipse. There's, for some of them, there are multiple exits. Lux says, TK, you sure yeah, you got yeah. this? You know, I have experience with this. I got it, I this. got it. Um, Lux is referring to his palming skill that will allow, that allows him to sneak things away. Um, teamwork, but, teamwork, yeah, teamwork. No, no, I'll, I'll, but, how about this? I'll yeah, get it out it? and I'll give it to you and you get it out away from these guys. Okay. And uh, Lux goes and uh, waits in his position um, because uh, they probably will want to follow TK. But if he does a, if we do like kind of a smooth movie handoff, Lux can be walking out the other way whenever they're saying, hey, you took our thing to TK. And I'll be, I'll already be in Bentley smoking my fine cigarette. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm suddenly picturing Lux wearing an all white suit. Yeah. Oh, what fun detail. He's got an all white suit in his mind. Lux, Lux, I, I don't mean a handoff. I'm going to chuck it at you. You just have to catch it and move. Okay. All right. Okay. And Lux gets in position to, to be chucked, too. Hey, just, just, stand on, just stand on the outside of this outside of the piece. And TK uh, grapples to the top of it. You grapple to the top of it. When you get to the top of it, you see two men with a wheelie cart uh, that is self-riding with a large suitcase-sized riveted lead box. They barely fit in the like weird internal hallways of this sort of spiral of steel that ends in a 
open center bit. Uh, you can l- you look down, you can see them, and you hear the rattling of the cart, and you hear them arguing with one another, um, and you hear them yelling, and they follow the pathway, and they both get to the middle. There's a, a little bit of a pause, and then one of them says, all right, listen, I'm not going to lie. Uh-huh. It is beautiful seeing Cha-ching! the stars. I, <laughs> I told you, man. <laughs> uh, TK comes a message to Viv and says, can you do something about their vision? Viv says, on it, and summons a fog of ethereal, like, cirrus clouds. They start to creep from the exits in. Not coming from above. They're coming from the sides. Listen, it's, it's just... It's that when I just I don't like it when you make me learning something about the world about you. That's it. That's a lot of my hesitance. Come what? What? Did someone turn on a fog machine? Look at this. Do you see this? <laughs> it comes to Lash. Lash, you're up. Get in there. But be casual. Be casual. Appreciate art. Lash is already at the side door that she has once gone through. She knows the back entrances and she shuts it. Ah, you two are in for a treat. Hi, my name is Sandra. I'm a guide here at Storm King Art and NFT Center. Both sit down, sit down, sit down. The clouds start to gather above their heads as they sit down. Is is there a fire? Is there something on fire? Are you, I mean, don't smell that fire. I think it's just a new thing they're doing. Is this seasonal? (laughs) <laughs> yes, this is a new exhibit. We are just, you will be the fir- some of the first members to experience this exhibit. Oh, shit. And we just sit on the ground? You have to sit on the ground. <laughs> it's wet. Yes, that's part of it. Sit oh, on the shit, ground. Derek, sit on the come ground. on. And, and we need are you to... Sure? We, are you sure? This seems a little suspicious. Oh, have we not played this game before, Terry? Sit down. <sighs> and this is not about me. It's about you. <laughs> he sits down. <laughs> So sit down and look up. You see? Okay. Out of you. And you want to spread both of your arms up. Be accepting of the clouds as they come. Terry, are you doing it? This is silly. (laughs) Well, it's all, you know, all art, I guess, is kind of silly. I feel vulnerable. (laughs) That's part of it, man. That's part of it. A bioluminescent nerve net flashes across the cloud above them. Nerve net? You heard her, Taylor. It's a nerve net. <laughs> Go with it, bro. Terry, That's... look. That's a goddamn nerve net. Uh, TK uh, <laughs> decides that this is the moment. He sticks his hand. He sticks his arm over the edge and uses his grapple hand to tr- slowly to try and grab the handle of the case. Terry, I hear a machine or something. Terry turns and looks at the box and sees a grapple hand just clunk into the side of it and successfully grab onto the one handle that's on it. And he jumps up and he looks at the orc and he says, I knew this was a lie. Who are you? This is bullshit. (laughs) And he goes and he tries to grab the box and he's holding onto it. And TK, you feel the pressure uh, as the handle is being pulled and he's just basically giving it a big bear hug. Well, unluckily for Terry, uh, TK can pull up a person with his grapple arm. (laughs) Miguel! Oh, wait, I'm Miguel. (laughs) Miguel, think! (laughs) Thank you, Nick, thank you. Terry, no! Where are you going? Okay, okay, come on, Miguel, think. Is this real art, or am I... (laughs) Keep yourself open! Open to the experience. 
keep your arms spread wide, TK says, everyone. Lash, get this guy off my fucking box. Okay. Uh, he starts wiggling, and the top pops off, and he falls to the ground, and the skull tumbles out of the case. <gasps> what the fuck? Lash runs over to the skull, and she knows what she's about to experience, but she picks it up. <laughs> you immediately feel an intense desire. You feel an intense desire for someone that you know you will never, ever meet. You will never reach. That you have been looking at and you have been attempting to communicate with for centuries. You feel like you're made of stone and you feel your heart is completely full. Wow. And that if this is the only love you ever feel, that's fine, but more would be nice. And in the distance, all you see, the rolling waters of the Brooklyn Archipelago and a half-sunken Statue of Liberty. Damn. And you, on top of the tallest hill, Highland Park, the Greenwood Cemetery. You come to, and you're back in Storm King Art Center, and you're Lash, and you're holding a skull with a tree growing out of it that's covered in dirt, and it rattles a little bit when you shake it. She puts it underneath her shoulder as if she's like doing a rugby football move, and she runs towards the door that she knows is the side door. Ma'am, 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 that is not, that is not part of the installation, ma'am. Now that uh, one of them is standing up, right? Is one of them standing up? Uh, Terry is definitely, yeah, not on the, he's still on the ground, like, uh, wind. Okay. Yeah, Miguel's up. As Miguel stands up and puts his face in the cloud, the the cirrus cloud, just like, like a vacuum, rushes into his nose. <gasps> and starts to solidify, like, fingers. So he's got two, like, cloudy fingers up his nose, like, hey, digging. This, Miguel, this, Miguel, what are you? This ain't part of it. And it slams him against the side of the installation. I got reverse hobo pod. <laughs> A smell picked me up and it was mean to me. <laughs> make sure you fill that. Make sure you put that on your comment card when you leave. <laughs> I thought smells were supposed to lead me to pie. On the windowsills, but this smell picked me up and threw me into the side of my Richard Sarah. He falls to the ground, and Terry rushes over and starts doing CPR because he doesn't know what else to do. Lash, you get out of the torque to lips in like two seconds. Because I run really fast. Lux comes, everybody. Okay, that'll do. Let's get let's get out of here. And uh, Lux heads to the door. Does anyone know how far the Statue of Liberty is? What? What? That doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's get out of I here. I hear she's the most gorgeous woman I've ever seen. I'm coming to the car. He came on top of the Sarah still. He looks up at the sky, appreciates it for a second, and slides down and starts sprinting toward Henley. are now entering Fun City Ad. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's Shannon, and that was my impression of the Fun City intro. I know. Pretty spot on. Anyway, what am I doing here? Well, what I'm doing here is I'm here to tell you all about a little something called Patreon.com. That's right. You know what it is, but did you know that Fun City has a Patreon? You probably already know that as well. So I'm here to talk to you about why you might want to sign up for our Patreon. First of all, it gives you access to our Discord that's full of great people talking about cool things, including the show, but lots of other things as well. Uh, It also gives you access to a whole different show called Fun Chatty, where we talk about life. We talk about the show a little bit, a little bit in that That was the original purpose of the show, but we're mostly just talking about life in the world. And also you get notifications about all the fun things we do, like um, live streams. You know, sometimes I run a little bit of a trivia game show called uh, What Am I Looking At Here? And if you want to know what that is, (laughs) you're going to have to sign up for the Patreon so you get alerted about when we're playing that fun game. Um, What else? What else? You get access to fun mini games that we play and uh, lots of other weird stuff we put on there. So uh, all, all I'm saying is if you're sitting on the subway or on a bus, or in a car, or on a bike, or on a Segway, and you're listening to this podcast, and you're thinking, I could use some company, I could I could use another webpage to go to, then sign up for the Fun City Patreon. You are now exiting Fun City Ad. Pretty good, pretty good. You guys leave. There's no one else around. Uh, It's now well into night. It's dark out. Uh, Storm King is closed. The roads are rather empty. What do you want to do? It's evening. Uh, When you talked to Loma, he said, bring it to me tomorrow. It's not yet tomorrow, but who knows what would happen if you showed up now. TK looks at Lash, uh, looks at Lux, sees that Lux is in his own world, and Lash is also in her own world, and starts rooting around in the backseat, looking for like a bag or something to just put this skull away because he's not sure if Lash is still feeling weird about it. Uh, you're reaching around by everybody's feet, like behind the driver's seat and behind the passenger seat uh, from the driver's side, and you do touch something that you don't recognize at first, and it takes you a second to remember what it is uh, because this is a, a new object to you that you maybe forgot about. It's the tactical backpack that you found in the elevator when you left uh, raised New York. Uh, you just sort of like dumped it in Henley and then forgot about it and didn't ever look in it. But yeah, you're like rooting around and you feel it. It's there. It's full of stuff, but like you could always turn it over and you know, make definitely it's big enough to hold a skull with a tiny tree growing out yeah. of it. Uh, TK pulls, pulls it to him in the front seat uh, and opens it up uh, intending to dump out the contents to make room for the skull. You, uh, you turn it over, you dump stuff out, and uh, Viv, your feet, because you're sitting in the passenger side, just sort of like covered in some stuff. The contents of this bag that TK is unloading to fit a skull in. And some of the things that you see tumble out are a uh, like a folded up paper map, 
There's a bunch of like electrical tools, uh, so like uh, wire, wire cutters, portable gas-powered soldering iron, cable tester, multimeter, stuff like that. And then another small device that I don't think any of you would recognize. It's uh, matte rubber all over, and it's got like a short, wide screen up at the top, and then it tapers into a keypad. Looks like something that's really like ergonomically designed, like meant to be held. And it's got a company name written on the top of it. It says Otis WWR plus D. There's like a notebook, and if you pick up the notebook and you flip through it, it's uh, looks like it's in Turkish. It's just written in another language. Uh, it's uh, hand handwritten, someone's notes. And then if you dig through a little bit more, you'd see a key card, uh, like an ID key card, and uh, it's got a name on it. There's a woman on it with uh, long black hair pulled into a ponytail. She's wearing what looks like a like a boiler suit, and the name says Yasim Yalman on it. There is also uh, a pistol falls out. It's a oh. Fischetti Security 600. It's, um, I, you see my, you see my Fischetti. <laughs> you see my Fischetti. You see my Fischetti. <laughs> it is a gun that you hear referred to in runner circles as a hall monitor gun. This is standard issue to uh, corporate operatives uh, doing like work that could be dangerous, but no one wants to actually spend any money on keeping them safe. Oh, who did you nick all this from? Oh, I don't... Lash, can you just put the skull in this? Uh, uh, Viv, give me a second. I just want to get that. Yeah. Also, Lash, take a nap. Just go to... Just, just take take five. Do you, do you know what the Statue of Liberty is made of? Copper. Copper. Sculpted by Bertoldi. My favorite element. Is it now? Since when? And Lash doesn't answer. She just stares out the window. He looks at Viv just covered in stuff. Says, uh, is there anything... You see anything cool in there? Anything good? What's I see like she picks up uh, the ID card and the pistol like it's a dirty rag. <laughs> like she's just holding it daintily between two fingers. Oh God, one of these. Oh. oh yeah, TK puts it on the dash. What is this stuff? This looks like it's like an elevator technician was here. What is this? And TK, I guess like, he grabs the map and the Otis R and D thing. Just examines them. Uh, the map has uh, a bunch of handwritten notes on it. Uh, you, you, I don't think any of you speak Turkish, uh, so uh, you don't uh, you don't know what it says. You could scan it in AR uh, if you wanted to find AR out. translate. Yeah. <laughs> and the uh, if you turn on the little gadget, a little the screen lights up and it says Otis WW Elevator Diagnostics, and then the screen blinks over and it says Command Control Unit. So yeah, it does in fact seem like you have found the backpack of someone who works on the superstructure elevators, and you now have their kit. Huh. Well, this seems pretty useful. I guess I'll keep the tools in here, and I'll take the thingy, the module. It says command and control. That could be useful. This ID could be helpful, too. Oh, yeah, I'll take that, too. Viv, you want a pistol? I gave one to Lux. You can have this one. No need. Last? Thank you. Oh, you're asleep. Never mind. I always know where to put guns if you don't want it. You don't? Can't you melt people? What the fuck do you need a gun for? <laughs> no, I mean, mother would always no, like no. a oh, she donation. Nope, that's staying in the dash. That's We're keeping that one in Henley then. Okay. Fine. Well, can we, you can donate some people later. Fuck that. All right, let's go find out what Loma knows. You don't want to take a, You don't want to sleep first? You don't want to, like... I don't know. Loma's going to be awake at night. Yeah. All right. So let's. Okay. How about this? Since it's been a long fucking day, why don't we all. I'll put Henley on autopilot. We'll go there. We'll take. Just just get some rest. If you need food, there's probably something that isn't terrible in the trunk. I don't know. I'll see you when I fucking. I, Henley, wake us up whenever we get there. Jesus. 
Hey, Viv. Yes, dear. Did you see the statue before the floods? Oh, yes, yes. I've seen the statue before the floods. Wow. Viv gently wakes up Lash and TK. All right. Oh. We're here now. Let's go get some Eating records. Can, can anybody calm Loma? I don't think I had his calm. I don't calm. think I had his calm either. I think he knows we're here, and so is the object. Yeah, I think TK so, grabs too. the backpack. All right, let's go find out what he knows. And Lux walks towards Loma's front door. Okay, you all get out of Henley the Bentley. You cross the short dock, uh, and you can see through the slightly less smoked glass of his workshop. There are a couple study lamps on inside. Do you catch little bits of him through the gaps in the stacks of books? The sign on the door is turned around. Uh, it now says closed, uh, where before it was branded and it said open in this uh, leather rectangle. And when you go to try to open the door, it's locked uh, and you can't get in, but makes a little bit of a jangling sound. And you see him stand up and turn around look down the length of his workshop. PK holds up the backpack. He pauses for a second. He looks at it. He's standing over that long workshop table. He's standing over a, a large book. Closes it. He backs up and he starts walking towards the door. He's wearing the same suit, the same brown, wool, red shirt, black tie, tan shoes. Uh, eyes are glowing the color of fire. He comes and he undoes the lock. He pushes the door open a little bit. He kind of sticks his head out and he goes, I know that I said to bring it to me tomorrow. I did not anticipate you taking me so literally. Yeah, well, we're nothing if not punctual. Good to see you again. You may come in. He opens the door wide and he gestures uh, into the workshop uh luck says yes thank you um loma i'm already tired enough i don't need you making us more tired you know what i mean no last time you did an energy suck or something let's lay off he goes to reach for the bag he pulls it back let's see what you got loma Come in, and I will tell you what you would like to know. He goes and he uh, sort of perches on his desk next to the big book that he was reading, and he says, I promise, no more tricks. And there are no chairs. There's nowhere for you to sit. I also would just advise against touching it. 
uh, we felt a little disoriented after interacting with it. Oh, I am well familiar with the effects of the Whitman skull. Oh. Ah. The Whitman skull. You came here and you asked about the work I did for Jest. Does this long exhale and from across the room like his breath smells like formaldehyde like it's like a waft of chemicals and he says and it made me want to reminisce about your work he pats the big book that he was looking at goes it was some of I think the best that I have done here in the city and it makes me proud to know that the tomes that I cut the binds that I make holds information that many people would like is very valuable which represents a, an organization that is very powerful has a impact on the city far greater than what so many people realize. It is a shame. You will never see it. And Lux rolls his eyes. Um, it's a, another speech by a bad guy before he turns on you. And he just kind of backs behind Viv and uh, says, it's not too late, Loma. Viv, Viv crosses her arms, like, also rolling her eyes. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I wish that I was. I think in other circumstances, we would never be friends, but we might be able to come to some understanding. But you... Perhaps you do not realize the tree you have barked up is quite old, quite well-respected. He um, pulls out his pistol. The seven would not allow you to continue in this vein, so it is good if we put a stop to it sooner rather than later. Wait, before you put the stop to it, what, who are the seven? Vivian, Jen. Yes. Vivian needs to roll... Projection. Hey, that is 8d6. Oh, wow. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, two hits. Two hits? Mm-hmm. All right. Of eight. Yeah. So, Jen, Vivian, of course, does not know who I, Taylor, am. I exist in the level of reality that simulates Vivian. So she doesn't know what kind of portent this might be. Mm-mm. But she suddenly gets a feeling of deja vu just a little bit like you know how something you'll smell a smell and you know it's from your childhood but you could not say where mm-hmm. mm. she gets that sort of vibe something intimately familiar but completely implacable her shoulders relax at this feeling it's not good <laughs> same emotion and action actually 
The seven is... TK raises the gun. Um, the seven is what makes the hand that controls the puppet possible. It is a group of people. I figured they were a group of people, Loma. What do they want? Knowledge. Power. To control. Sometimes they would like money, but money is a way to get other things that they are more interested in. They answer to the thing that makes what you answer to what I answer to, and he's gesturing it at Vivian. Their gods make our gods possible. And uh, with that comes an understanding of the world that is different from ours. So we serve them in the hopes of learning. And that's all you're getting out of this? Learning? You say it in a way that makes it dirty. Lux, can I shoot this guy? You could try. I don't know <laughs> if it'll work. What do you think, Loma? Should I shoot you? It's not my decision to make. Cool. TK says, okay. Thinks about it a bit. Uh, and immediately whips the gun toward the book and shoots. You think you're about to shoot that gun. And then a very heavy force, as if someone had slung a sledgehammer and hit your gun hand with it, hits your hand in the gun. TK, if you want to hold on to that gun, and especially, you better do very well if you want to continue to pull the trigger, but just to hang on to the gun, you're going to have to be eight hits. Okay, uh, what do I... Could do strength plus will. Strength plus will seems good. Got to be a very good roll. It's it not impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, two hits. The gun is knocked out of your hand with such force, it breaks apart. Ah. You hear the parts clatter. Loma looks at the book and then looks at the gun and says, You are choosing only to hurt yourselves. Loma, we're not choosing to hurt ourselves, all right? We need you. Okay, you're the only one who could look at these records, all right? I'm telling you, there are thousands and thousands of people who will be affected by what Evo is doing. The, the seven are not Evo, okay? They're a bunch of evil bastards who are doing medical experiments on people, okay? You can still serve the seven. You can still learn. We just need to know who is behind the last line here, all right? That's all we're trying to find out, Loma. You hear ringing in the entire room. The... the you, you cannot place where the sound is coming from. Oh, Viv has a massive headache from you it. You should, because an enormous magical presence has just unveiled itself. Uh, and you hear the high voice you've only heard once before say, Oh, no. The choice has already been made. Let's fuck her again. And in front of you appears... Floating in the air, four feet off the ground, between you and Loma, a red-skinned man with four arms and a tiny golden crown levitating over his head. He is in lace-white robes. Viv, you are almost bowled over. Uh, this presence has been near you the entire time you have been in this structure. You realize now, but it has been covered and it is now hitting you full force. 
She doubles over. <laughs> you made the choice to ignore our warnings. You were given a chance. You have chosen to squander. Hey, man, what's up? Good to see you again. Not in a dream. TK opens up the backpack <laughs> and grabs the skull. You are a beaver. You were by a brook, a stream, but you can smell the ocean in the air, but you cannot see it. You feel your enormous teeth cut through the last bit of bark on a young maple tree. And it was, it was pulled so taut that when you cut through it, you feel like a physical note, G, ring through your body. And the sound of the tree falling across the creek is like a wash of white noise through the woods. And then you hear another sound that you associate with fear. And then your world ends as a napped flint arrowhead pierces your skull. And then you're back. And all of you are hit with a concussive force. In the middle of where you're standing, it radiates outwards and pushes all of you back. If you don't want to get knocked around by this thing, you're going to have to beat five hits. All right, reaction plus intuition, you got to beat five. Three. Lux got three hits. Five hits. I got five. They've got six hits. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> wow, that was a really hard roll for me. It was really well. I was not going to make that otherwise. <laughs> Lux, you are knocked back off your feet. I don't know if you want to, you, you tell me, like, do you want to, you end up on your stomach or your back, but you are knocked onto the ground and you take a little bit of stun damage. I, I, Mike, do you think it's fair to say the difference in the dice rolls? Five and a three, he would take two stun damage? Two. Yep. Yep. Uh, yes, uh, Lux um, w- had moved forward to try to reason with Loma. And that was obviously a huge mistake. He is the one who's kind of at the epicenter almost of the the shockwave. He's thrown back. He kind of twists away from it, lands on his right shoulder, um, and takes uh, two stun damage. Basically, it it manifests as almost a gust of wind, like a more physical uh, embodiment of air. uh, And it even like looks this way from the outside that the three of you who remain standing, it almost looks like you've been sort of like blown back a little bit. You know, your hair goes up, all of your clothing flaps for a second. You might even, if you can see it coming, embrace for a second. You might even get just like pushed across the floor of Loma's workshop, just like an inch and a half or so. Lux gets knocked over, falls down. Loma goes, I am sorry to be the one to explain this, but you should have learned it by now. Those in power, and make no mistake, it is us. The people we work with, many other types of people in this city, they don't care. We don't care about you. What we serve is bigger than you. It is bigger than me. It is bigger than Neck. It is beyond even the gods that we know. We serve the gods of gods. And they give us things that are bigger than what we get in life. And so you seek to help millions of people who will suffer. I don't know this problem and I don't wish to. I need the skull because the people who want it will give me something that I value. And it is knowledge that is outside of this realm of existence. And it is knowledge about how to control myself. And yes, 
people like you. So, we will take it from you. What will you do with us? Kill you. Roll initiative. <laughs> Neck goes first. Neck spins towards Viv and flings out his four hands. An invisible wave of magic hits Vivian Lakewood. Viv, gosh, been a while. You're in the Caribbean? I mean, the color of the water. Yeah, it's not that deep. It's just crystal clear. There's a little K right over there, a small island. You wouldn't want to walk on it. It's mostly rocks. But you can see the tops of the reefs poking out. Oh, the water's calm. You can hear the wood creaks behind you. You turn. Hey, it's your houseboat. You were probably at this portage once, maybe twice. Always meant to go back. But never got the chance. Instead, ended up in New York. But, oh. It must be like 2.33 in the afternoon. The heat of the day, which is exactly when you like it. The beach is deserted. And you remember, oh yeah, you're looking through the sliding glass doors. There's a picture of margaritas in there. Are there steel drums? No, it's no. just the sound of the water. Oh wait, what's that? A dolphin's call? She has no resistance to this at all. So Viv, roll... Will plus logic to tell whether or not this is an illusion. Got three hits. Taylor, how many hits did Neck get from making the illusion? I got five. So he is successful, and successful by two, I'm going to say, is like, this is pretty convincing. So, like, Viv, your memory is not erased. You know that you were just in the uh, water, in the international waters, just off of Newport, Rhode Island. But now suddenly you're on the beach and there's margaritas nearby. She is going to feel around. And try to walk toward the margarita anyway. Yeah, it's, it's your boat. It smells like your boat. The wood grain under your fingers, it's real. And what happens to Viv in the physical world? She just starts walking towards the front door of Loma's workshop. Not very far. Not no. very far. Hold on, I have to count those dice. Oh, shit. My gosh. <laughs> Jesus. Loma rises up on his feet. He levitates off of the floor of his workshop just barely, an inch or two. And he, with an unseen force, just basically translates himself forward towards TK, who just shot a gun. And as he does so, his mouth opens, and it gets wider than it should. And you see the plasticky surface of his face crinkle in a way that skin can't and shouldn't. And as he does this, two long teeth eject from the top of his mouth, and he starts to hiss, and he tries to bite TK. TK, roll reaction plus intuition, and beat three. Yeah, let's see. One hit. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Loma attaches himself to uh. the side of your neck, and you feel two long teeth uh, just, like, sink into your flesh. And he, it feels like he is chewing. Oh. Um, and oh. you feel both, I mean, it's, it's painful, it hurts, and also it just feels like your life force is leaving your body in a way that is not normally the case when you are uh, attacked or injured in some way. Roll, um, no, there is, let me check, I don't think there is a resist for this. No, uh, this just happens. You take two physical damage. Oof. TK feels this happen and instinctively uses elemental body. TK feels him, his neck get bitten and immediately catches fire. 
He's fucking, he's just like, like, it's like a, it's like swatting a mosquito. You feel it bite you and you just smack the shit out of whatever place it's, it is on your body. You don't think about it. The foom of TK's body erupting into flame happens in the middle of Loma's workshop, and you catch the entirety of the front of Loma's suit on fire. And he is patting it, and he rushes off of you. And he's patting it down, and he takes his jacket off, and you can see like his shirt is on fire, and it's uh, starting to disintegrate, and it comes off. And you see underneath his shirt, you finally see his skin, and he doesn't have whatever it is that he has on his face and his neck does not go all the way across his torso. You just see on his body just folds of flesh like hanging open gray just and like open wounds but like very little blood just like dry and it's now that you maybe realize Loma not only is someone that has HMHVV Loma is uh, what you have maybe heard referred to as a ghoul someone who experiences uh, profound changes to their physiology because of the impacts of HMHVV. You look down, you notice, maybe for the first time, Loma also has extremely long fingers, and at the ends of them, pointed, uh, like, uh, metal-thick, metal-looking fingernails. Uh, And he's standing there half on fire. Uh, Yeah, TK raises his fist and says, I'm going to cook you like a fucking chicken. Lash... (laughs) sees all this happen in succession. Loma has pounced on TK. TK has once again inflamed himself. And I know that TK is hard to deal with when he's in this state and does not listen to any kind of logic. But with that same, in that same energy, she is in the matrix trying to collect any kind of energy she can find in this very dark space. So she's basically trying to take some energy from like, you know, her teammates comms, anything that she can connect to um, because she is going to cast breaking ball on Loma's eyes. And in doing this, she's collecting all this energy and you see her ball it up in what looks like a tennis ball. And she pulls out a tennis racket that she has also created from this energy in the Matrix, and she slams it. She throws it up in the air as if she's serving straight into between Loma's eyes. Hell yeah. Okay, so Breaking Ball, for the cost of three edge, just works. There's no roll. There's no dodge. It just happens. So... I'm going to put down my dice. This is the sound of me putting them down, not rolling them. (laughs) (laughs) Gonk. Thonk. Kadonk. And you, Lash does the movement. Lash launches her breaking tennis ball. As opposed to a baseball? Funny to have a breaking ball be a tennis ball, as opposed to a baseball. Um, This ball of energy moves through the resonance, through the very short space in Loma's workshop, and it collides right between his eyes. And you see... Very little pageantry. His bright yellow lenses just iris out and go black. He is standing there surprised. Game set point, Loma. I am going to fucking kill you. So Viv is facing away from everybody, but really confused about where she is. Does she roll something to keep trying to break out of it? Yeah, I think you should roll will plus logic again to see if you can escape the illusion. Uh, okay, let's see. What that is. Um, okay, so that's five hits. 
If you come to and you're standing in the front entryway of Loma's workshop, it's sort of dark over here, and you're looking outside uh, to the sea, and you see Loma's boat, and you see Henley the Bentley. Um, there's no margaritas around. You're not on the mirage. What happened? I don't know what you did, and she's still speaking to the water. But I also answer to a higher power, and she summons that same giant, that Venus clam that helped Lux before. Uh, this time it's a full-size, six-foot-across clam rising from between the two vehicles, and she's facing it. And you can hear the shushing of the water, like, kind of move the boat we're on a little bit. So you're summoning it outside? Yeah. Okay. going to roll for this. Four hits. If you get a clam spirit for three services. It's mouth opens wide and uh, it just kind of, the top half of the shell starts to hover over the houseboat and kind uh, of gently clamps it really quickly. So you can feel like the top of the roof get like slightly crushed a little. And the, and the houseboat sways a little bit in the waves and up against the force of the clam. And, uh, and she like reaches forward and just says, mother give me strength against the void, and she turns around to look at Loma. Lux is in a lot of pain. He's been thrown to the ground. Uh, He lands on his right side, which is the side that he put the gun into the waistband on, and he is going to pick up the gun just to move it, um, because he's probably has an outline of a gun on his hip right now. (laughs) Um, And before he even considers what he's doing, he points it at Loma, and pulls the trigger. So you're just going to roll agility. Two hits. You pull the gun out and you aim it at Loma and you see that his eyes are dark. The previously very easy to spot, fiery orange-yellow cyber eyes are out. They're just black orbs inside of his head. He's just shouted at Lash and TK that he's going to fucking kill them. And when you pull the gun out and you point it at him, he turns and he looks directly at you. He makes eye contact with you, though he currently has no irises. And you pull the trigger and he just steps to the side and you hear a, a pane of glass break on the other side of his workshop. He looks at everybody. He looks at Lash. He looks at TK. He looks at Lux and he looks back and he says, there are many ways to see. All right, Lux, you fucking got this. That's that's my fucking boy. That's my fucking boy. Lux appreciates the, the, the pep talk. He does not feel good whatsoever. So Nick is going to act, and then we are going to re-roll initiative because everyone will be below 10. Mm. Yeah. Right. Nick flies down and grabs Lux's chin. Like, like Nick is a grandmother and Lux is a child that she hasn't seen since Thanksgiving. <laughs> Nick grabs Lux's chin. Nick, roll to avoid mind probe. Uh, logic plus will. One hit. Oh. And... Can use edge. And Lux gets five hits. Eight hits. Oh, I didn't realize. Lux feels 
mental hands reach through his brain and begin to massage it and turn it over like someone looking for a wedding ring they dropped into a pile of garbage. I am filtering. I am searching. I'm looking through every memory in Lux's brain of the last 72 hours, and I see it all. I see getting this call from the truck. I see uh, meeting Vern at his office. I see the meeting with Yuri, and you you feel a pause. This all happens in an instant, Lux, and then you see everything about Yuri. How did you meet Yuri? Where does Yuri come from? All these things about Yuri. Everything Yuri said about the Seven. Everything you've ever heard about Seven. The conversation. I'm I'm looking for like the conversation you had after you met me for the first time, and I told you never to go to Jast again. All these things I'm trying to find. It's slipping around. Your defenses are solid, but they're not total. And the last few days are mine, and I let you go. You are a bug. You're nothing. Lux feels like he, um, it's like he remembers everything that was pulled. For some reason, it's it's fresher in his mind, and then he forgets it all. And those seconds after, he can't think of anything that he just remembered. And then he starts getting sort of a loose feel for it again, as though he was trying to do recall. So it's sort of like this, like, peak of like hyper intense I can remember it I've forgotten everything in the last 72 hours back to a normal stasis and he does not know what just happened he feels like it had to be related to these memories and uh, he looks at uh, Neck and he goes you know Yuri? I know him better now and I know you we re-roll initiative and Neck gets to act at the top of initiative again Neck's eyes sort of roll back into his head a little bit as he drinks in and thinks about the memories that he's just plucked uh, uh, from Lux's mind the last few days. Who is the most dangerous? Who could hurt me? He turns to Lash and flies like a man on roller skates, just over the floor, not touching the floor, flies to Lash, grabs her face with both his hands, And then his second set of hands. Ah! His skeleton seems to become luminous. He locks eyes with you, Lash, and you can see the light of his skeleton in his head is almost blindingly bright as he leans in and puts his mouth on your mouth. Ah! Neck casts Death Touch. So, uh, Taylor, Neck needs to roll unarmed combat. And he needs to get equal, only equal. This is one of the few cases where a Shadowrunner does not win the tie. Uh, So he, if it's a grazing hit, he wins. So he rolls unarmed combat and Lash, you just roll reaction plus intuition to just get out of it. I have rolled the dice and I have the number of hits in my hand. I have a number of hits in my hand. How many hits you get? I got three hits. I got four hits. Oh shit. No! This is Lash's first kiss. Oh, Don't reveal that Lash is a virgin no! in the season finale. <laughs> Shannon, Lash takes three physical damage directly. It is impossible to resist. It bypasses armor. Such is the nature of the death touch. So the first service that the clam is going to redeem is combat, and it joins the initiative. And uh, it uh, travels. It stops biting the edge of the boat and sinks back down under the boat 
and like a whale, kind of rams the other side of the boat, opposite of where we're standing. It rams upward, like an unarmed combat. The house shakes uh, as, as the clam bumps into it and starts to push it. And you hear uh, some creaking noises and the sound of a distant pane of glass cracking. Loma turns and he looks at Lash, uh, looks in quotes. He can't see, which means he has to basically assense everything he does. So I am uh, forcing him to pass an assensing test before he is effectively able to act. He definitely beat that. Loma reaches behind him and uh, opens a drawer in his desk, in his workshop desk, his long, old wooden desk. And uh, it's heavy and it's shallow. Uh, and it was the drawer that's uh, right in the center, uh, like right where a chair would go. And when he reaches behind him and pulls it open, and he does this without looking, um, you see him uh, put his hands behind his back and they come forward and he's holding two curved Damascus steel daggers with uh, leather wraps around them and he just rushes towards Lash uh, with them up at his face and he tries to stab Lash with the daggers. Uh, Lash is going to dodge here. She's going to cost five initiatives and use the gymnastic skills to dodge. Do it up. You got to beat five. Nine hits. He lunges forward and he slices the air with this beautiful curved dagger and he misses. Lash jumps up in the air like she's doing a box jump basically and just it fully misses her she jumps so high that it fully slashes underneath her legs he is confused he thought that he was seeing accurately the scene and he now is very nonplussed about how it is he didn't connect so i lose five initiative points by the way so i'm out of initiative Upon seeing the daggers, Viv unsheathes her two combat axes. She like kind of whiffs one forward, um, kind of rubbing her thumb over the weapon focus and it activates. And she goes slicing forward with two axes at Loma who is now next to Lash. That is six hits on a blade skill. Not only did Loma pass his ascensing skill with flying colors, he dodged at eight hits. Damn. Fuck. He turns, he sees you coming. You turn on the weapon focus and it's like turning on a beacon. He, he sees it more clearly than he sees anything else in this room and he sees it coming towards him and he just leans back just in time and you, you feel like maybe you graze across his collarbone but you don't do any damage and he manages to dodge. <sighs> And she swung with all of her might in her old age. TK hears uh, Viv's bones creak just a little bit. But no, TK sees all this stuff happen. He looks up at Neck, who's just f floating there, presumably. Looks down at Lux, who's on the ground. Lash, who is landed. And he feels his heart start beating faster. It sounds like to him that the ocean is just getting louder and louder and louder outside. It's just his hearing goes sort of blank and it's just white noise uh, and he is falling into a berserker's rage because this is he's trapped on an island a houseboat with two psychos who want to kill him and his friends there's no way out really he's standing extremely still like still stiller than anybody else in this room and it's noticeable because he's not moving anymore Lux uh, pulls his gun up to point at Neck and he 
last second just chucks the gun right at Loma's head, not hoping to do any damage or anything, but just because of, he's had another experience of why he hates guns. Uh, they don't even work. Uh, and he uh, just dives down, grabs the skull and runs for the door. Uh, since it's in a bag, uh, if you don't purposefully touch it directly, then yeah, you won't have a vision. So yeah, you get it. It's yours and you start running out. The next person to act is Neck, and then we're going to re-roll initiative. While Lash was jumping me, Neck, (laughs) I sensed the psychological terrain of the space shift. Behind me, in the center of the room, I'm sensing a sort of spiritual weight change, like a fighter sort of changing the foot that they're favoring. It's TK's rage mode. Neck spins around, and I imagine TK's only a few steps away, yes? Yes. Grabs TK's shoulder, and with his internal organs still luminescing through his skin, says, Fly with me. And then Neck pulls TK through the place between the places. (gasps) As Neck looks up through the vaulted glass ceiling of the houseboat into the sky above and teleports them as high as he can. Shit. All right, so I get to go. I'm going to take my number of hits and half it, and that's the number of meters I can go up high. Correct. Ah! Right? (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) You can go 10 feet. (laughs) Okay, so I got 12 hits. Oh, that's six six meters. meters. That's 18 feet. Still could get pretty hurt with 18 feet. I'm definitely, we're definitely above the roof, right? You can get above the top of the roof, and since it's glass, you can see through it, so yeah. That means that I take you 10 feet above the glass ceiling. I drag you through the astral realm, and we... TK, we are now in the sky above... (laughs) You know, skyish in the sky above the boat. There's a problem though, TK. You have just been dragged through the plane against your will. You need to roll a D100. On a one, you become permanently insane. Oh, oh no. Oh shit, dude. What's the chance of getting a one? One in a hundred. One, one in a hundred, girl. Approximately. <laughs> what are even the no. chances? No one could calculate that. <laughs> I rolled a 10. Close. I almost got you. Just as many as the <laughs> other percentages. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> That's funny how that works. As many chances as the other. Yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. Oh, yeah. God. Uh, all right. Now, TK, you're not out of the woods yet because, number one, you are now going to fall 10 feet through that glass ceiling and then eight feet to the floor. Number two, you, regardless of what you rolled on that D100, you now are experiencing extreme nausea. Which I say very threateningly. <laughs> you the, have a the very tummy bad hurt, belly The ache. tummy hurt. Yeah. <laughs> Your tummy feels bad. <laughs> You hang in the air for a split second, TK, as Neck looks in your eyes to see, has it worked? Has it driven him mad? Oh, it hasn't? Fine. I drop you. TK falls for a second, and he, know, he, he knows exactly what he needs to do. There's no questions in his mind, because again, it's like swatting flies. He's, he doesn't see the Matrix as much as he, like, he's, he's just moving without thought. He's totally, totally mindless, uh, and he knows the next thing he is going to do, which is he just shoots his grapple hand at Neck's neck, 
because he wants to grab it and bring Neck down with him because TK knows there's a glass ceiling below him and he's hoping that if one of them is going to get impaled, it should be this guy. Seven hits. Taylor, roll reaction plus intuition to avoid being grappled. Five. You get him. Oh my god. <laughs> he does take damage. He does take damage from the fire on TK's body. Yeah. No, I know. That is... <laughs> no, you... Your fire... Wait, you're still on fire? Yes, it's a sustained spell. Elemental it doesn't body. go yeah. away. <laughs> Mike, how many PSIs are holding neck up? Because if you know, if there's a limit, like how, like what is his like carrying load capacity when he's levitating? Because it's not infinite. Uh, I'm gonna say just roll your roll your spell casting for flight and beat four, and you can stay upright while having TK dangle from your neck, neck. Neck's hand is burned. There is a metal claw on the front part of his neck. That is still on fire, but yes. But he manages to remain levitating. Oh, no. So, you know what that means, though, right? TK's just hanging off of yes. him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my>. <laughs> <laughs> this is our version of true lies, yeah. <laughs> TK, you don't know what he's doing, but Neck is frantically casting a spell. TK is hanging from Neck's neck. And Neck is the first to act. TK sees Neck straining, not just because there is a metal hand grabbing onto his neck, uh, but there is a, there is magical force coursing through uh, him. You uh, Once again, his skeleton begins to glow, and he's sort of like a negative image of himself uh, from above. I mean, like, you can see like under his skin, there's like arcane forces crawling. He is charging up an enormous spell, and then your weight on his neck is too much. You know, they say that the end of a thing is told in its beginning. And we named this guy Neck a long, long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Holy shit. In this world, I imagine it's a name he chose or his parents gave him the name Neck. How could they have known that the next thing you see, TK is his neck rip open because his flight spell worked. It held him up, but your weight is too much. It does not take much more than 100 pounds to tear out a metahuman neck, and the claw rips through it and continues to grapple as it pulls forward. His esophagus tears and flops like a balloon letting out its air blood sprays you hear neck gargle as you fall through the ceiling your fall is broken by the glass not hurt by it it slows you down enough to where you only fall eight feet it's not so bad you land on the floor you land on top of loma (laughs) knocking him unconscious oh Oh, he's to take fire damage. (laughs) Yes. He will. You're still on fire. Neck falls, crumples through the glass, bleeding out quickly. Skin immediately goes from red to white and is dead. Oh. Oh, shit. You are out of initiative. TK's like, (coughs) the wind knocked out of him. How much damage do I take from this? Let's say two stun damage. TK gets up. And he's still on fire. Uh, glass is shattered. Glass is falling off of him. 
He walks over to Neck, grabs what's left of his throat, and drags him toward Loma. And drops the body on in front of Loma's face. Turns him over and slaps his face to try and wake him up. TK, can you roll uh, willpower? Three hits. Okay. Uh, can everyone else roll, roll willpower really quick? Three hits. Two for Lux. Okay, great. Nothing happens. Lux is outside, and now he is stomping towards Henley. He throws open the trunk, throws the bag in there. He's so fucking pissed at everything and everyone and and guns in general. And then he, he remembers a gun he doesn't mind so much. The mag gun. Yeah. He pulls it out thinking about Loma's metal nails and he has an idea of what he wants to do to him not knowing of course that Loma is passed out right now he slams the trunk down and marches back inside with the mag drum with the mag gun on and he sees TK with his fist raised above Loma's head oh uh TK are you okay wait wait I still can get some information from him hold on don't kill him why not let me try something first. And she sticks a hand on his forehead and mind probes Loma. Yeah, roll roll for me and let me know how it goes. Seven hits. Symbolic. <laughs> Symbolic. Seven hits is really good. <clears throat> You're transported mentally to what looks like uh, maybe you knew these uh, from back before you were awakened. A Barnes and Noble? And does she smell coffee? Do you hear a grinder going off in the corner or something? No. No. It's empty. There's nothing here. It's a huge, empty room. There are no stacks. There are no books. There's a carpet, but, like, it's dirty. There's lights hanging from the ceiling. Uh, there are some pictures on the walls, but they're crooked. It looks like no one's been here for years. And then it just starts to kind of dissipate. Uh, it goes from color uh, in your brain, in your um, your mind palace, your mind Barnes and Noble, to black and white. And then it gets grainy. And then it just starts to go away. And it just, it feels like there's just nothing there. Uh, like, not that there's nothing to know, but that there's just no medium there's you went to probe a mind and there's no mind wow there's just a complete absence and viv takes her hand off loma's forehead this what he grabs his neck grabs his chin and just snaps his neck you do it and then goes out yeah you are you feel it break in your hands i can probe minds there was nothing there and Viv looks around her at all the books they're there yeah uh the the big book that Loma was flipping through is there yeah so she goes up to that book and looks at it can Viv read it can Viv look at it yes you can look at the book if you'd like is it in a language Viv can understand yeah nothing it's blank there's absolutely no writing inside of it at all they're just beautiful lines completely blank pages Viv is confused. She is pacing. She is looking at the book, trying to flip through the pages. 
It's all blank. It's all blank. His mind was blank. There was no mind. It was blank? Have you ever seen something like that before? No, at least in the most dumbest people I've ever probed, there's at least been a comic book and, or a pamphlet. Uh, TK stands up. He's hunched over. He's, it's like he's coming back to, to himself, and he says, maybe somebody else was controlling him or some shit. Maybe there was somebody else there. No, no, no. And and Lux is walking up to the books and he's pointing around and he's saying, this is what he cares about. This is where his knowledge is. Viv, mind read the books. <laughs> she puts both hands out and tries to touch a shelf. Does anything happen? If you roll mind probe on the books, you get, uh, you don't even get by the force of will, the creation of some edifice. You just get infinite nothing. And I, I'll, I'll even give it to you. If you pull them off the shelves and flip through them, there's nothing in them. She reaches really high to the sky and tries to sense one more time the entire boat that they're on. Are there any magical presences anymore? That's uh, seven hits on an ascensing. Huh. Viv, it's very strange extremely strange not only is there a magical presence nearby uh everything is a magical presence everything is lightly glowing and everything has a sort of waviness and ephemerality to it that you have never ever seen before uh in the material plane this slaps her forehead and says oh mollusks what Everything around us is magical. What does that mean? It sound? But just just to be clear, this was not the case before when she uh, sensed before. Correct. Viv is moving around the space like she has a VR helmet on, mm-hmm. and she is just like, that is magical. That is magical. Why? You're saying everything is magic now? Well, it sounds like something magic just happened, which is to say it sounds like somebody was interested, very interested in not letting us see whatever the fuck was happening here. Like, this stuff got wiped, right? Why is it not here? Why is there nothing in the books? Why is there nothing in his brain? Where did it go? Why is everything magic now? Wait, so everything is magic now, and it's blank? Mm-hmm. And the last time we saw Neck, didn't he create a similar situation where we saw something that wasn't really happening? Yes, with uh, Gabe, right? Yeah. Dying, being dead. Oh, no. Where are we actually? The last place you'll ever be. And Viv, you feel a Damascus steel blade enter your torso, into your ribs, as the illusion around you dissipates. TK is lying on the roof outside the building. Loma is standing by the desk, holding a blade and a shotgun and Neck stands behind Viv and twists the blade. You were long to think that you would win. Lux, you look down. You never got a mag gun. Fuck. Maybe you never even opened the trunk. You were holding your comms. It's in your hand. Lux, your comm rings. It's Gabe. Lux answers. Hey, um, okay, uh, don't get mad. Don't get mad. But when that thing happened at Bryant Park and you guys got home really late and you were in a really bad way, I I made it so that all your comms sent me all of your biometric information and your location at all times. So I always know where you are and I always know how you're doing. And I can see that something really bad is happening right now. Is something really bad happening right now? Yes. Okay, duck. 
and Lux just says, Duck, and he and he hits the ground. You start to feel the houseboat rock and sway in the waves, and it sways more and more, and it sways more than when the clam was chomping on it. It sways more than you felt it sway, and uh, if anybody looks out the window towards where the slips are, towards where the boats are, you see coming line of sight heading straight for Loma's houseboat, the Mrs. Egg. Ah! <laughs> Does the Mrs. Egg stop? No. No! Fun City, thanks for listening. We are now on a once-monthly public release schedule, so we will see you in this feed on the last Friday of September with episode 44. In the meantime, check out the Fun City Patreon for hours of Bone Cone, like side games, one-offs in other systems, stream archives, a playlist of cyberpunk music, exclusive in-universe merch not available to the public, and access to our Discord, which is full of very nice, very smart nerds. All that and more for a couple bucks a month at Patreon.com forward slash fun city ventures and of course thanks to all of our current patrons for help keeping this ship afloat Hi, I'm Bijan Steven, and you can find me online at Bijan Steven, B-I-J-A-N-S-T-E-P-H-E-N on Twitter and Twitch on Instagram, I'm Bijan Cakes B-I-J-A-N Cakes I'm Jen De La Vega. I play Vivian Lakewood, and you can find me online at Randwitches. Hey, this is Nick Gersio. I play Lux Scythe, and you can find me online at N Gersio, G-U-E-R-C-I-O on Instagram, and at Nicholas Gersio on Twitter. I'm Shannon O'Dell. I play Lash Goodbog, and you can find me on social media at Shodell, at S-H-O-D-E-L-L. I am Taylor Moore, and I play all the bad guys, I think. Is that how it works? It's not clear. You can follow me online at taylor.biz. And my name is Mike Rugnetta. I am your GM. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube at Mike Rugnetta. You can find the show on Twitter and Instagram at Fun City Ventures. This episode of Fun City was recorded in various locations around Brooklyn, New York, and Los Angeles, California. It was edited by Sam Grant and produced and sound designed by me, Mike Rugnetta. Pixel Riffs knows that while art is unavoidably a product of its time, that doesn't stop us from finding contemporary meaning that, while perhaps not originally intended by the creator, is nonetheless a significant aspect of a more charitable art experience. Fun City's music is by Sam Tyndall, with tracks by Will Savino, and Burrow Bound. Our art is by Tess Stone. Our Discord mods are Olivia Gulen, Kelly McHugh, and Kit Pulliam. And the voice of Artemis is Molly Templeton. <laughs>